So, um, we are almost at the end of our series um, called Scattered. Um, we've been focusing on the book of Philippians, and we've also been focusing on uh, this uh, amazing book by Alan Scott called Scattered Servants. And we're almost at the end of that now, almost got to the last one. I think next week, Peter is going to wrap up the whole series for us. And just as I was um, beginning to kind of prepare and think my way through this, uh, this morning's message, Mindful that we're coming towards the end of this season, I just, I guess in my spirit as I was preparing, as I was, as I was praying, just beginning to sense that in the spirit, God is preparing us for something new. Um, now, it doesn't take a great prophetic gift to recognize that things are changing, that our world is changing, that we're preparing to get back more engaged as there's all this promise of uh, vaccines coming our way and that sort of thing. But there's just something in my heart. I, I'm just beginning to sense God is saying, yeah, it's, it's almost time. It's, it's, we're, we're on the, the, the banks of the River Jordan, as it were, when the, the nation of Israel were right with their feet dipped in the, in the river and preparing to go into the promised land. There's just something about this season that God is doing where he is preparing to lead us into something fresh and something new. It's a time of transition. And just in this time of transition, it can be, I think it can be very easy for us to uh, quickly jettison all of the, the pain and the difficulty and the trial that we have walked through and run into the future. And yet I just also have this sense that the Lord is saying, there have been some very key things that I have wanted to put into you as my people over these last eight, nine months. I want you to, to carry those things. I want you to hold those things close in your heart. Uh, it's a season just in these, in these days where I feel like the Lord is tweaking those final little bits of reset amongst his people. And he wants us to lay hold of those lessons. So my prayer for myself and for us as his church here in, in uh, Bishop Stortford, nearly forgot where I was for a moment, um, uh, is that we will lay hold of every little detail of what he wants to teach us so that we are strengthened and so that we're prepared to go into this next season. It's a time of refined focus, I believe. And as I was praying with some of the members of the team this week, we were praying on Zoom, best we can do at the moment. But as we were praying together, uh, this picture came into my mind. It was going back to my childhood days in a, in a chemistry lab in, in secondary school and how we'd get Bunsen burners. And I don't know about you if you've ever played with these things. They make great water pistols, by the way, if you're able to attach them onto a, a lab um, tap. And uh, no, don't do that, okay? Especially, you know, I can, I can imagine I'm going to get letters now from uh, science teachers saying, well, please don't encourage children to do that. But what you can do with Bunsen burners is you can adjust them and the flame goes from a dancing bright yellow flame, number one, on the screen, and it'll go right through to a point where it is this small, intense, roaring little dome of blue flame, number four, there on the picture. And there's just something, again, as we were praying this week, I feel like God is saying, this is a time to refine your focus Dial yourself into who I am. Dial into who I am for you. Make it a sharp, singular focus. For there are things that I want 
to uh, draw to your attention in this season. There's things about my nature that I want you to lay hold of so that you go into this next season with real strength. A title that I guess you could use for my message this morning is this one. And it kind of flows out of that, that picture of the Bunsen burner. He wants us to be promise-focused and therefore peace-filled. There's something about as we, as his people, as we focus our attention very intentionally onto his promises for us, the promise of his presence, the promises of his goodness, the promises of his nature, as we focus in on those things, so we will become peace-filled. And I just loved the songs that we were worshiping with this morning, all focusing on the greatness of our God, and therefore, he is the one who will quieten the noise around us. He is the one who will... uh, remove the distraction, the things that would cause us to lose our peace. He wants us to be peace-filled in this season. So we get to um, Philippians chapter 4 as we go through um, the book today. Philippians chapter 4 in the first part of that chapter. I want to focus in particularly on verse 6. Really well-known verse in Philippians chapter 4 and a really, really easy one for all of us to lay hold of. Do not be anxious about anything. Okay? Really simple. Really simple. I'm sure, you know, now that you've heard that command, now that you realize that there is this command in Scripture, do not be anxious about anything. I'm sure now you'll go, oh, okay. Oh, didn't realize. Sorry, I'll, I'll just sort that out immediately. No problem whatsoever. Well, yeah, I recognize that Actually, the battle internally for peace, the battle internally to be free of anxiety in all of its forms is a very real one. It's something that that I deal with. It's something I'm sure that you deal with. In fact, I think I'd be fair to say if you have a heartbeat this morning, then you will have a battle on with this thing called anxiety or fear. But Scripture says, do not be anxious about anything. And there's no shame associated with this command. God is not sitting some, in some far-off place, wagging his finger and saying, Don't, you really should be doing better. He is inviting us into the fullness of life that he intends for us. And that fullness is absent of anxiety. He wants us to be a people who are free. He, he wants us to walk free from anxiety every day, no matter where we are, in our workplaces, in our homes, in, amongst our friends and family, wherever we are. And the amazing thing about God's Word is that when He speaks a command, that command carries with it the power to fulfill what the command requires. It is the same voice of God who said, let there be light and there was light. It's the same voice of our Savior Jesus when he said, be healed, and the person was healed. It's that same voice that speaks this command to you and I, do not be anxious, and with it comes the power for us not to be anxious. It's simply a matter of us attaching our faith to the command, recognizing that the one who has spoken that command is all-powerful, loves us intently, and gives us the power to walk in this freedom. 
He wants us to be free from anxiety. The, the picture I had in my mind was, it's, it's as if the Lord is walking along and he sees us in a pit of anxiety. And he doesn't just say, don't be anxious. He comes over, he throws down a rope and he says, no, don't, don't be there anymore. You don't need to be there anymore. I'm throwing you a rope. Now come, let me bring you out into freedom. And we simply need to lay hold of that rope and allow him to lead us, to draw us out of that place of anxiety and into a place of freedom. You see, the thing is, as we seek to be scattered servants of the king, if we're full of anxiety, we are not going to be particularly attractive to the world around us. As I say there, we, we, we don't want to go around as unattractive, anxious ambassadors for Jesus. That is not the kind of picture that is going to draw our work colleagues and our family members to say, I want what that person has. You see, Jesus wants us to walk this earth with our heads held high, knowing that we are held, knowing that we are loved, knowing that he's got it, that he's got us, that he holds us. And therefore, we are able to walk free from anxiety and fear. Now, anxiety tends to be caricatured by something like this. And this is a very stereotyped picture of anxiety. You know, that biting the nails, the furrowed brow. It's, it, that is one picture of anxiety. And that may not be exactly what anxiety looks like for you. As I thought about myself, and if you were to ask my family, please don't. Um, but if you were to ask my family, what does anxiety look like for Gareth? Well, for me, step one of anxiety is I withdraw. I become quiet. Um, I, I kind of disconnect a little bit from the people around me. Step number two in my anxiety uh, journey, if you want, would be um, I, I just get grumpy. I get a bit snappy. I get a bit short-tempered. And step number three, I get angry. For me, it doesn't often end up in nail-biting. It doesn't often end up in tears. It may look different for different ones of us. But the same promise from God is for every one of us. No matter how anxiety uh, manifests in your life, the Lord himself says, you don't have to be there. You don't have to stay there. I don't want for you to live in that place of fear and anxiousness. I want better for you. And in this passage in Philippians chapter 4, here is the way he describes that, that rope that he tosses down into the, the well, into the pit that we find ourselves in. He says, don't be anxious about anything. And now he throws the rope. He says, look, in everything, by prayer, by petition, and with thanksgiving, make your requests known to me. And he, he offers us this, if you like, three-step ladder to draw us out of anxiety and back into that place of peace. Now just notice that these three words are different. Because when we talk about the subject of prayer, I think we can very, very often um, just oversimplify that down into effectively petition, petition, and some more petition. He says to us very clearly here in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, in everything by prayer, by petition, and by thanksgiving, make your requests known to me. Now, prayer 
uh, the word that is used in the, the Greek language here in Philippians 4, that is a relational, connected discourse with God. It's about interaction. It's about relational connection and communication, dialogue. Then comes this second word, petition, which is, as we most commonly know, about asking for stuff. And thirdly and finally here, we have thanksgiving. Not asking, not just, you know, communicating, but actually going, Lord, thank you. I want to align my heart with thanks for who you are, for what you've done, for the way that you live alongside me and give me your strength. There are these three different aspects to the life of prayer that he has given us as a gift to get us out of that place of anxiety. It's not all about ask, ask, ask. If, if you haven't been a Christian for very long, you will probably be aware that people pray for stuff. And that's not wrong. In fact, Scripture here and elsewhere is very clear. Please do ask. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. But there is so much more to a life of prayer than simply asking. It's interesting. If you were to look through the New Testament for um, what the Scripture has to say about unanswered prayer, you will actually not find any direct teaching about how to deal with when your prayers don't get answered. Now, what does that say to us? I think, first of all, that says God knows what we're like. And if he had given us a teaching about how to deal with unanswered prayer, then we probably wouldn't persevere very long in praying because we go, oh, well, he did say that they wouldn't be answered, so I think we'll, we'll stop there. But in addition to that, I want to suggest that actually Asking for stuff and getting answers is not the main or the primary purpose of prayer that God has given to us. It's a much bigger, broader picture than just asking. It's not just transactional, God will you, thank you very much. It's, it's this relational journeying together with him, getting to know him, learning his heart, learning what's, what's in his mind for, for us and for those around us, for the world in which we live. I got this um, great little quote from a recently released book by Tim Keller, uh, an American theologian and pastor. He says this, prayer is both conversation and encounter with God. We must know the awe of praising his glory, the intimacy of finding his grace, and the struggle of asking his help, all of which can lead us to know the spiritual reality of his presence. It's all of those things. It's the awe of praising his glory. It's, it's, so there's worship in there. There's praise in there. What we were doing a few moments ago is, is bound up in this thing called prayer. As we worship, as we lift our hearts to him, as we allow the awe and wonder of who he is to soak into our hearts, that's prayer. It's prayer set to music. It's prayer that explodes out of our hearts. It's intimacy. It's, it's meeting with him face to face, one-on-one, expressing to him um, our, our need of him, our thankfulness for him, our, our desire for a greater understanding of who he is. And it is the struggle of asking, saying, Lord, my situation is X, but you have said Y. Will you help me? Will you, will you come? Will you show me the way? Will you answer? 
It's all of that. And it all boils down into this thing of knowing intimately in every moment of our day, the spiritual reality of his presence. Now, the presence of God is a key theme for us at CCBS. It's something that we come back to again and again. He has given us very specific prophetic words about being a people of his presence. And really, that is the essence of who we are as his community here. I want to suggest to you that everything we do in this church, in our day-to-day lives, in our journey as disciples, is all about continuous transformational encounter. You see, it was a transformational encounter that set you, first of all, out of darkness into light, out of death into life in his family. It was that first transformational encounter. We had one of these last Sunday on Zoom with our youth group. A young lady gave her life to Jesus because she had a transformational encounter with him. And what got us in keeps us in and keeps us growing. It's that continuous circuit of I meet the living God. I commune with him in prayer, in worship, in expression. He transforms me. I have encountered him and now I go again, I grow again. And as we receive that transformational encounter, so we go out into our workplaces and the world in which we live and we bring that transformational encounter through our faces, through our words, through our hands, through our kind deeds. And we we become that transformational encounter for others And we come back and we have another transformational encounter. And that will go on and on and on. That is the process of discipleship until that final transformational encounter when we see him in glory and we will be with him forever. It's about a journey in his presence. This thing of prayer, it's so expansive. It's to overshadow And impact upon all of our lives every day. One of my favorite little quotes from Bill Johnson is this one. He's speaking about the occasion in scripture where Peter uh, would walk along the road and people would bring out others who were sick just so that his shadow would touch them and bring healing to them. And Bill says this, your shadow will always release whatever overshadows you. What's overshadowing you today? Is it anxiety? Is it, is it fear? Is it, is it concern about what tomorrow will bring? Is it, is it something that has disrupted your peace? Or is it his greatness? Is it his glory? Is it his love and his goodness and his kindness and his steadfastness? Is it his miraculous power? Is it his ability to take any situation and transform that and bring it, bring about glory that is more than we could ask or imagine? My prayer is that I will live overshadowed by him. In that way, that you and I, as we go about our days, that we will be overshadowed with the Almighty. And that therefore, whoever we meet, whoever we work next to tomorrow or whoever we see in, this, in the week, that our shadow will cast that glorious presence into their lives and bring about transformation there again. It's about um, the, this, this promise that God has given. It, When we encounter his presence, we are impacted 
by his peace. Scripture here, Philippians 4, 7, it goes on from from 4, 6, and it says this, The peace of God, which transcends understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. There is this beautiful peace that is beyond understanding. It is separate from, uh, unimpacted by understanding. Listen, 2020 has been a year where we have not had much understanding. Like, let's face it, normally we make our plans and our plans more or less work out. This has been a year where we have had to learn to work in a realm of very little understanding. But God is not limited by our ability to understand. He is not limited in any way by um, the, the need to have accurate data and accurate information. His peace transcends all of that. His peace that he wants to give to you and to me is so much greater than the peace that this world is beginning to grab hold of because there is the sight of a vaccine down the road. Now that is wonderful. And there will be a measure of peace that will come from that. But in comparison to the rope that Jesus throws us, this peace that the world offers is like a tiny thread. He says, let me give you my peace. It transcends understanding. It will, it will guard your heart and your mind, irrespective of the circumstances that come against you. It's that word in the Old Testament, shalom, the Hebrew word shalom. It's not just, hey, peace, man. It's not just that hippie sign. It is, a, it is a word that is so full of the glory of God. It is a word that, that, is, that speaks of his fullness, the glory of his kingdom impacting our kingdom, our, our relationships being, uh, being, being restored, our, our, our internal world realigned, our joy restored to us again. It's, it's this incredible fullness that God wants to give He promises to give to each and every one of us when we turn to him in prayer that is more than just, God, will you please? I do pray that that we'll be delivered from the kind of prayer that is basically just saying, God, will you please rubber stamp what I want? He wants so much more richness in our prayer lives than just that. He wants us to live our lives drenched in his presence. And images like this one, I I draw them back into my mind every now and again when I recognize that peace has gone from my heart. And I recognize I just need to get into the waterfall of his presence. I just need to get into that place where I know that that his presence is tangibly falling down upon me. I remind myself of his promises. I remind myself of his nature. The things that never change. Like the flow over a waterfall that just goes on and on and on and on. His love resets me. And his love wants to reset you. So that your life is not characterized by anxiety. But rather characterized by peace that is beyond anything this world can understand. This is, if you like, a, 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 
a trial at a, at a definition of the kind of prayer life that he wants to draw us into. He wants to draw us into this continuous, intentional engagement with the unlimited strength and the unlimited compassionate heart of the perfect Father. It's so hard to, to put words to these things, but this is where he wants to draw us. Not it once a week when we happen to tune into a worship service or or you know, in the future when we actually get to come to one of these things. He doesn't want it to be a moment, a moment in a week. He wants this to be for us all the time where we engage with him, where his countenance shines upon us and we are transformed by it. And it's available for us 24 hours a day, seven days a week, all year long. His presence is right there. As, as Jesus said again and again throughout the New Testament, the kingdom of God is at hand. Stretch out your hand. The kingdom of God is, is that close. His presence is that close. His desire to meet with you is so very real. Even right this moment, if you're watching this right now and you have that longing in your heart to experience what I'm talking about, just put your hands out. And Holy Spirit, I pray in this moment that you will meet every outstretched heart all across this town, all across this region. Holy Spirit, touch heart after heart right now with your presence, with your presence, because your presence brings life. Your presence brings transformation. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. See, this is where we become promise-focused and peace-filled sons and daughters of the King of Kings, where anxiety does not characterize us anymore, but instead the glorious peace of his kingdom characterizes us every moment of every day. He wants to transform us. He wants to move us from being people who have great big problems and in the background these little tiny promises that just seem almost irrelevant in comparison to the size of our problems. He wants to transform that picture. He wants us to have promises at the forefront of our mind, to walk out the door in the morning knowing that God is for us and not against us as we were just singing a moment ago. That truth alone will transform your day if you draw it into yourself, internalize it, and recognize the truth, the power that is within it. We walk with big promises and little problems. We don't deny the reality. It's not about living in denial although to a degree it is, because what we do is we deny the problems that come against us. We deny them the influence that they want to have in our lives when we fill our view with the promises of God, with his promise for us, that he is for us and not against us. Just a few simple promises to finish off with here. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. It goes on to make this promise. God says, I will make your path straight. Is your life looking confused right now? Do you have no idea how the next few days or the next few weeks are going to turn out? Well, look, yep, that is a problem. But God has said, I will make your path straight. 
We need to be people who routinely come back to this. But you have said, God, you have said, you will make my path straight. John 10.10 tells us this promise that God um, says that he wants to give us life in all of its fullness. My life is difficult right now, but you have said that you want to give me life in all of its fullness. So I will fill my heart with that promise. Psalm 23, I'm in the presence of my enemies, but you have said that you will spread a table for me in the presence of my enemies. What's a table? It's a place of intimacy. It's a place where strength flows into us. It's a place where we commune with the living God. His promise is greater than the problem. The last one, Jeremiah 29, 11. The Lord has plans and purposes for you Plans to bless you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Yeah, the problems are down there, but his promises are up here. God, you have said that I have a future and a hope because of your word. This, these are the things that will draw us out of the pit and set us on the solid ground, knowing that he is for us, knowing that he will never leave us nor forsake us, knowing that he will, will flow into us with power, with life to the full, with glory unimaginable, that we do not need to be characterized by anxiety, but through prayer, petition, thanksgiving, a, a continuous connection to the divine glorious God, that we will be people of peace. Let me just pray for us as we, as we draw to a close. Jesus, I love you. I know, Lord, that your desire for me, your desire for everyone watching or listening at home is that each and every one of us will live in this place of peace that you have designed for us. I know, Lord God, that you do not want us to live in anxiety or fear for one moment longer. But you have invited us, Lord God, to lay hold of your good and perfect promises that lead us into life in all of its fullness. And I pray right now, Father, all across this town, in every home where people are listening to this message, that Lord, Holy Spirit, you will implant into people's hearts a deep awareness of your presence which transforms every dark situation and brings it into a place of light and life. And I pray, Almighty God, that as we go towards Christmas, as we go towards 2021, as we head into the new things that you are doing beyond this reset, that we will go with hope and expectation because of who you are for us. Lord, we bless you. We bless you. Amen. I'm just aware as we come to a close, there'll be some people watching this for whom you know that thus far you have not had this connection with this wonderful God that I've been speaking about. And I just want you to know this morning that his invitation is held out towards you that his desire is to draw you into eternal life. He wants to be your Lord and your Savior and your friend more than anything else. If you're watching live right now, why don't you just drop a little message to the number that Kwesi and Bernita mentioned earlier on today. Perhaps, Tim, could we pop that number back on the screen for a second? And 
If this, if this is you in this moment and you recognize, I don't know Jesus, but I desperately want to know Jesus, just drop a little message into this number and our team will be so happy to speak with you. If you're listening after the meeting has finished, then please don't call this number. It's not being looked at during the week, but drop an email uh, to the community church office. Just email to hello at ccbs.org.uk and someone will follow up with you and help you find a relationship with Jesus that will transform your life forever. Thanks so much for listening. I'm going to hand back to Kwesi and Bernita. Here they are. Thanks, guys.